You're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, Moto Ice Wrap, Bill's Pipes, and W Wheels. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, we've got Tony Jeske from Jeske MX Customs. Tony, how's it going? It's going good, Brad. How you doing, man? Hey, not too bad. It's a melting uh, Thursday afternoon up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, it's six thirty, so uh, the sun has already long since gone down because we get uh, a lot of a lot of darkness, a lot of cold up here. But uh, you're sending me some warm vibes from from Idaho right now, so uh, it's all good. Oh, good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm an icicle right now because my blood has since thinned out since my Minnesota days and. I'm trying to harden up again. No doubt. Uh, so uh, you are a repeat offender here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show. And the, for our loyal listeners, are thinking back to when was the last time that Tony Jeske was on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show? But the fact is, is that we actually talked. On, we spoke on Sunday. We had an almost two hour long conversation. And thanks to the people at Apple uh, Computers, um, we, we've lost that audio. It's, it'll be it's uh, into the. Uh, it was a conversation just between the two of us, I guess. It'll be a, a lost episode, if you will. But um, we're gonna have we're, we're gonna redo that episode from from beginning to end, pretty much. With uh, we're gonna use all new words this time, pretty much. Uh, but um, really excited to have you back on the show, man, because uh, I know we had a great conversation. Yeah, no, it was great. It was it was good. I was driving back from Portland, and you know, it was, it was a nice time to actually talk to somebody instead of. Just staring blankly at the road, man. It was, you know, I get into those modes where I'm driving, I get tired. So it was nice. It kept me going. I appreciate that. No doubt. And that was a six-hour drive, and I only took up two hours of that. So no doubt uh, the the other four hours were spent uh, brainstorming ideas as to uh, what's going to happen with the, the next uh, Jeski MX Customs build because uh, you've got quite a few uh, in your bank already, but uh, many more to come. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what you've done so far and uh, and what's coming down down the road as well. All right, man. Well, I look forward to it again. It, it was a great conversation. I'm excited to have another one. Right on. So you are only uh, a few days removed from uh, uh, the one uh, moto show, uh, which was up in Portland, Oregon. Really cool uh, kind of uh, moto heads uh, from all facets getting together. There was choppers. There was cafe bikes. There was, uh, I imagine there was probably some pretty cool custom uh, street bikes, as well as there's a motocross entity. There was vintage bikes, and there was some brand new 2016 bikes as well. One of them that was featured, uh, which is a collaboration between yourself and Fast House, uh, to, came together to create the Hellraiser. So uh, if you could, for the listening audience, uh, please kind of give the background as, as to how the Hellraiser was conceived and uh, and how you were able to uh, put her together piece by piece. Well, I, you know, in, in, in the last couple of months, I think 
honestly, I found myself kind of in a dark place and, you know, being in, in a new area, um, bringing my shop here, you know, from Southern California where that's, you know, the Mecca, you know, then I was working out of my garage and, you know, started the shop in 2012. Um, and then kind of making that transition from there to here, you know, I, I, I was looking to make a bold move and, you know, just to kind of remind people that I'm, I'm still doing what I'm doing and it's just coming on stronger. And that's, that's where the Hellraiser kind of came to be. I it was living in me before I even had a bike in the shop. You know, I was, how, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You know, how's it going to come about? You know, obviously I, I like to name bikes, you know, I think to give them an identity, you know, it kind of makes it more special, you know, from the, from the building standpoint, I know people in the hot rod world and, you know, the custom bike world have been it for ages and well, I figured, well, why can't I do that too? So I figured just kind of, kind of take that idea and, and, you know, give this one a, a rock solid identity and to, and to build around that, you know, and then I guess it kind of comes, well, how can I make this thing a Hellraiser, you know? So therefore I reached out to Brandon, I built pipes, you know, and, for me, as a as a technician, you know, having the experience in racing over the years, you know, I I I don't want to be an engine builder, you know, I want to be an assembler, a facilitator, um, you know, a custom bike builder. You know, when I look at custom bike builders; they're not building their motors. You know, they're 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 getting their equipment from, you know, other facets like an SNS. You know, uh, a Harley guy's going to slam an SNS engine is is chassis and you know he's gonna he's gonna focus on more of the creative aspect you know as long as he's got a rock solid power plant he's confident in his equipment you know what i mean and that's that's where this all kind of comes from and having a connection with brandon and bill and jeff kind of fills pipes it just it makes so much sense to go that route and you know you know have confidence in those guys that they can provide what i need from the tuning standpoint you know for this yz125 and you know, that's kind of where it came to be. And then that just gave it more of a footprint, you know, that this thing is really a Hellraiser. You know, it's going to go out there and it's going to perform. At the end of the day, I'm not going to build a bike just to sit on the stand and take a bunch of pictures. You know, I want the thing to go out on the track and and, and do what it's created to do. And that's perform. No doubt. Uh, as far as the engine internals, um, the guys over at Bill's Pipes uh, offer both uh, premium exhaust products as well as um, engine porting and whatnot. Uh, like, what what part did uh, did you have a, a part in, and what part did they have a part in as far as uh, engine porting? And obviously, uh, they they supplied you with the uh, the brand new cone look uh, works pipe that uh, the thing absolutely screams and uh, a pretty uh, one off special. Uh, silencer that uh, is, is tough to get a photo of, but for those who have seen it, uh, pretty much awe-inspiring uh, awe because you don't see too many carbon uh, um, tailpipes uh, around these days. No, no, and I think you know, with having the confidence in, in the guys on a Bill's pipes is huge. You know, I can I can call them, I can email them, you know, talk to them about the project, and I, I just put all my confidence in them. So I mean, for me to really elaborate the engine spec, it's it's something that we talked about, but it's something like I really can't talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, but it's just, no, we're going, you know, we're going with guns loaded and, and we're legal, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing, um, you know, to prep for this 125 dream race. I just wanted it AMA regulated. So it was, you know, that's how I built the bike. You know, I know it's going to, it's going to have attention, but 
you know, I'm going to compete and, you know, race. So knowing their, their knowledge over the years and, and what they've done, you know, they've, they've transformed, you know, the industry, I feel, in the two-stroke market, you know, back when Pastrana was riding the RM125, they had their Bills, you know, the Bills Pipes and their Primal Impulse team, yeah. and, you know, Buddy, and Buddy Antonez was racing arena cross, just slaughtering them, you know, it was just, they, they had a package, you know, and I think that, that, you know, that translates to anything, I mean, you're dealing just with the two-stroke, you know, the, the idea behind the, the way the engine works is all the same. So, you know, they've just, they've put their homework in and they've put their nose at a grindstone and it's just, it's showing, you know, and they're coming back strong and, you know, they're, they're not a name that's to be forgotten by any means. So it's, that's, I'm proud to put it on the bike. Honestly, Brad, it's something that's, you know, they, they showed an interest and I, I've definitely showed an interest in their product and, you know, that's the direction I'm going to keep going for sure. Absolutely. We all enjoy uh, taking pride in our work and working with those who do the same. Bill's Pipe's always been uh, a pride in your work style company, uh, a grassroots company that have been doing this since 1974, I believe, uh, and, and building horsepower and putting the horsepower where you need it best. And uh, it, everybody knows uh, 125s are notoriously uh, uh, difficult to keep it in the power band and, uh, and, and use that engine to its best ability. Bill's Pipe's allows you to do that. And and on top of that, also uh, equipping you with this cone look pipe that uh, gives you the performance of a segment pipe, but the uh, the optics of a cone pipe. So from both sides, it's uh, it's both uh, it's visual, uh, it's visually appealing, and it's also uh, performing better than a, a real cone pipe. So uh, on both sides, we're winning. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they, you know, Brandon was able to pull some strings and you know get me that carbon fiber silencer, you know, and it's basically it's a prototype right now, yeah. and they're. They're in the works of, you know, releasing, I believe, the Yamaha and KTM 125s are going to kind of be the first on the pike, I think. But, you know, I think that's only going to, you know, turn into other models as well. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. At some point, I, uh, and I've continued to put more pressure on Brandon to uh, go ahead, make some Kawasaki 125-250 stuff, specifically 0405, because the, I'm going to be selfish that way. Because um, <laughs> after uh, uh, hundred and some uh, Instagram posts, a, a guy would like a pipe. I don't know. I just, I'd like a pipe. But uh, <laughs> a, enough about my dream build. Let's talk a little bit more about the Hellraiser. Um, everything from the stand this thing sits on, tip to tail, the rubbers, uh, the brake system, the, uh, the the anodizing, the, the the components this bike is built of. Like anyone who um, has ever built a uh, a mountain bike from the ground up can really appreciate this build because I think it has a lot of um, uh, parallels in the fact that a mountain bike or any type of uh, bicycle is is about the components it's built off of, and I think motocross is becoming that way, especially from the 125 market, because you can legitimately budget yourself to put together a bike like this because you're not going to break the bank. The fact that the bike isn't isn't over the top expensive, and all of these parts are not only proven but uh, are, are readily available to uh, to be put on the bike, and the fast house definitely. Um, uh, a great platform to to tell like the a company to to start the build with, but uh, you recruited companies like uh, Works Connection, Bills Pipes, Hinson, Dunlop, Rad uh, Rad Manufacturing, uh, 
Tech Touch USA, uh, Dave Cruz over his cruise control, Chris Ackerman uh, uh, probably giving his two cents via text message, uh, Moto Stuff uh, Brake Systems, those guys are all over Supercross right now. I don't think there's too many guys out there that are trusting their front brake to anybody other than the Moto Stuff, the guys over at Moto Stuff who are also, I believe, out of Oregon. Um, or yep. uh, And then uh, you've got Pro Taper Bars, which uh, feature uh, a handle, uh, a crossbar bar, uh, a like a, the, the fat bar style, and a, uh, they have a bar that you can quickly change between those two and have the sensation of a, a, a of either one at a flip of a switch. Uh, Nihilo Concepts hooking you up with some uh, some frame guards uh, for the bike, really cool concept, as well as uh, DT1 air filters. Get, you have that sweet smell of VP racing fuels. RK Excel hooking you up with a black chain, which uh, I, another thing that I noticed today when I was again looking at the bike, and honestly, every time I look at this thing i see something new that i hadn't seen before the sdg in innovation seat which i have on my kx 250 and honestly i wish i, I want to find another one so that i can get it on my kx 125 because nothing's better than one of those seats the grip is unparalleled yeah. and uh, the fit and finish is just unreal hammerhead designs hooked you guys up as well with some brake pedals and some blink and um moto stuff again coming together for those foot pegs that are razor sharp going to keep you attached to the motorcycle so you can uh, hold the uh, hold that throttle wide open while you uh head down the start straight and grab that hole shot yeah Did I cover I mean, that's the thing I mean, yeah that's you know that's the plan you know i think uh, you know, every bike you know that i that i have a say in it, I, those are the companies that i go to because they've had my back from the very beginning and i'm a loyal person so it's something that you know and well their products are proven you know that's the thing too it's like i believe in the product you know and then i believe in the service and you know the fact that this this all started out of a garage you know the idea came to mind of I'm gonna, okay well how can i how can i be different how can i make a different product that's that's not been out there i mean don't get me wrong dirt bikes have been customized for years you know a lot longer than before i was ever a professional mechanic well, i feel like i'm the pioneer here building a business out of it and you know granted there's i do all the service work because it's what i know how to do and i'm good at but my heart is in building custom dirt bikes and that's where the passion is and that's you know that's what i can really find myself in you know what i mean and i think having companies like that on board just make it that much more powerful in a way i guess because they're they're companies that are you know they are around they've got a they've got a reputation they've got a history you know, and for me to be connected with that, that means a lot to me. There's value in there to me as a as a builder. Couldn't agree more. And uh, I think one of the, some of the things that you bring to this build is like really cool because, like, honestly, when you brought this thing to the. Uh, uh, the One Moto Show, honestly, um, people must have been circulating this thing all weekend and just constantly picking out uh, different things that they noticed. They like they didn't see it the first time, uh, whether it be uh, the the engine cases, the 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 hammer the hammerhead shifter, and the uh, the the fact that you've got a, a hammerhead. Um, kickstart on this thing the it blends right into the rest of the bike you don't even see it uh a black tank black black everywhere the fact that it's got matte uh, um, a matte finish on the 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 throttle jockey graphics um you've done a lot of really cool things with this uh, i gotta ask for but from the builder what's what's your pride point where, where do you kind of look at this thing and be like yeah we killed that or this bike wouldn't be the same if we hadn't done this one thing 
I think, you know, man, good question, Brad. (laughs) So much, it happened like as a whirlwind, like the plan, you know, jumped into my mind and, you know, on paper, you know, with the notes and just coming up with the different ideas and the different processes and then being in a new area, trying to find other resources. Like it was, it was a, just the whole build in general was exciting. You know, I mean, having a bike in the shop, you know, to be able to do a, a build on was exciting. You know, the first day I got it, I was just like, this really happened, you know? Yeah. And then to get everybody on board, you know, and I'm, I'm straight up when I approach them, like, I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. I'm not going to blow smoke and just hope that I can get something out of it. I, I don't know, you know, something may come of it, but it's to, to be able to, to put a lot of heart into this thing and, and just emotion, I think is, is the best part, you know, and, and being creative, you know, with putting Hellraiser on the ignition cover and, you know, tying in the logo with the wrenches. That was really cool. Yeah. I was excited about that. And then, you know, um, just the detail work. I'm, I'm, I get real, I geek out on that stuff big time, you know, with, and, you know, the brakes and, um, just to build itself, you know, how to build this thing and just that process. I mean, I was building it in the shop. I, I put the rear wheel in it and I stopped. It just stopped me. And I looked, I stepped back and looked at the bike for probably three minutes. Like, wow, things coming together, you know, better than I imagined it. And that's, that's a neat part too, you know, and then just seeing it complete. And I, I mean, I pretty much finished it up Thursday about four o'clock and had to throw it in the U-Haul man. And, hit the road. So I did, I couldn't even really absorb much. And then when we got to the show, she's on display. Yeah. I I picked up my buddy, you know, Brendan Lutz who came up, you know, to be a part of it with fast house. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, did he have the, uh, did he have the, 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 the stand for it as well with him when he, when he met up with you or did you have that to begin with? They, uh, they shifted it to the, to the hotel we were staying at. I went to pick that up and then, Went and picked him up at the airport, and then we, we drove to the venue and registered and walked in and was like, holy cow, man. It was real at that moment. You're like, this is real. This is, and it's humbling. You're like, there's some incredible pieces of machinery here, and I'm rolling in a dirt bike. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt very privileged to be, you know, a part of an event like that and to even be considered to be a part of an event like that's huge. So I think that in, that in itself, you know, I think that was a very – exciting moment no joke and um it's uh not only is this thing is absolutely gorgeous and uh this you left no stone unturned when i look at a tip to tail and i'm a a details guy and there's nothing you didn't think of um optically this thing's gorgeous but like you said this thing functions like no tomorrow and that's why you used reputable companies that uh are are based on on performance, uh, and um, they're they're gonna stand up to uh, some punishment because uh, this thing is going to uh, to be a hellraiser because um, it it the the whole reason why you're building it in the first place was to race this thing and uh, tell us a little bit about the event that it'll eventually be landing itself in and uh, and and how uh, Fast House approached you in in terms of that uh, scenario. Yeah, it's you know the the whole idea in the beginning was to to build a bike you know, for the 125 dream race and to put it in a pro class and to have somebody race it. And, you know, that started back in September when I went to the dream race 
just to check it out. It was a real neat event, and I wanted to be a part of it somehow. And I felt like, you know, connecting myself with the people that put it on. You know, Joey Lancaster, he's the one that's his brainchild, and he just loves dirt bikes, man. Anything. I think he's a dirt bike. He's got three wheelers. I mean, the guy is a great guy. He's fun to be around. He's just got a ton of enthusiasm. And, you know, what he's done with his event, it's just, it's just grown. And I would like to see it grow more. So for me to, you know, take that step out of the comfort zone and, you know, take the risks and, you know, try to put something together and, and make an opportunity happen instead of wait. It, it was, that's what this is about. Like, you know, making something happen, kicking the door down instead of waiting for it to open, you know, and I think that's, you know, the opportunity for the one show just kind of came out of nowhere. I wasn't expecting that. And then it, this, then it became a piggyback. You know, I wanted to build this bike for the show and I want to race it. So I can just, you know, basically it's a show bike, but it's going to race. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. That's, that's, that's the whole point behind it. And I want to go to that race, you know, I got one thing in mind and that's, you know, to do well, you know, obviously everybody does this on, it's a race and it's for fun, but I want to win. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to go and win and to, to kind of get, you know, you know, get some attention for the region to help the business and, you know, just for whatever it may be, if it's service work or if it's, you know, custom bikes. I mean, obviously that's the goal in the future, but right now, you know, the, the goal is to keep the shop up and going and to build it, grow it and, that's that's a step in that direction I feel. So, you know, come September this thing's gonna be at at uh at Washugo, um and it's gonna be racing at the Dream Rings. Right on. So uh uh one question I had for you, and this was actually after we had spoken on Sunday, is that um it's a very dark motif from the bike tip to tail, but the the one thing that actually jumps out at, out at me more than anything is the is the silver fork tubes. And uh like I know the, the technology's definitely out there to anodize those things jet black, much like the rest of the bike. Explain why uh you decided to uh to keep those silver. Well, that was something that kind of uh, I've always liked that older raw factory Yamaha look, yeah. you know, and I think that's, that's kind of where that all came from. And, you know, Dave Cruz, um, you know, he's been, he's been somebody that I can get on for suspension needs. You know, I met him when I was working with a privateer named Trevor Reese, uh, a couple of years ago, and he was our suspension tuner that does great work and he's not afraid to experiment. And I think that that's, you know, that attracted me. To, to him in the beginning because I know I could go to other suspension shops and get quality work, but they're not going to, they don't have that. I feel like they don't have that, you know, want to step out of the box type mentality. You know, I think more of it's about production and, you know, turning suspension around instead of experimenting a little bit, you know, and Dave, you know, you know, he creates great suspension and he's not afraid to try something new. So, I think that all in all, that's the look I've always liked. I mean, I could have gone everything black, you know what I mean? But I felt like it might have been too much yeah. black, you know what I mean? And I think it, the, that that finish just kind of sets it apart a little bit, you know what I mean? And I think it, it, it's it's the, that detail, you know? I think that's something I pride myself on is is all the little details and the thought that goes into it. And that, that I find a lot of fun in and dissatisfaction. 
No kidding. So, uh, uh, and I, I know we talked about this on Sunday, and you weren't able to give uh, a whole lot of information. But as far as uh, the engine cases, the frame, the subframe swing arm, uh, they're a little darker and uh, a little uh, different colors than uh, what you'd find on your uh, everyday run-of-the-mill uh, stock 125 from Yamaha. But uh, um, without giving any details on how you're able to achieve that, um, if anybody who's listening to this right now has uh, has a bike that. Um, that they would like that same look or something similar to, um, is it pretty safe to say that they can contact you over at Jeski MX Customs and uh, and get the same uh, same look dialed in? Yeah, for sure. I think that's one. I, I you know I've learned over the years. Sometimes you got to protect things, and that's one of the things that I just I'm, I've got to protect. You know, I think I put a lot of time and effort and you know money into that. That I'm not willing to just give that information out openly. You know what I mean? So that's just something that, you know, by all, by all means, though, they can definitely call the shop. And if it's something they're looking to have done, I'd be happy to help them, you know, achieve that. I'm looking to build dream bikes here, you know. I know there's other people that say they build dream bikes, but I think there's only one really doing it. You got them on the phone. So <laughs> that's just kind of where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I find, like, uh, like for myself, uh, I, I pride I pride myself on having bikes that uh, not only look good on the on the on the track, they look good on the stand. They're well taken care of. They're they're well oiled machines. They're fast and uh, and optically they're uh, they're they're nice to look at. You put them on the stand and um, and and they look mean. They look like they're going fast when they're not going anywhere at all. Um, and I think that's something that uh, you're able to bring to a motocross bike that uh, we haven't quite seen before it's uh it's, it's a, a unique way to attack this and uh, i hope that uh, a lot of other people are of the same mind to uh basically uh if they're gonna have their bike down for uh, a couple of weeks or so or uh, about a month or so uh get a parts list going and uh send it over to you to uh basically go through the thing with a fine tooth comb because of course uh not only are you good at great at building but like as far as service and building these things back up to uh showroom condition no issue whatsoever for you and uh two stroke four stroke you can really put something together for someone that's not, gonna, not only going to turn head on the track but uh, also uh, put you at the front of the class yeah yeah i think that's the that's the objective you know and i know a lot of late you know lately it's been a lot of new bikes but you know i'll do restorations on you know whatever i mean as long as it's a dirt bike it's got wheel suspension and an engine you know we're we're not afraid to get dirty either you know what i mean and that's something that you've just learned or I've learned over the years and soaked up like a sponge, you know, how to make things new again, you know, and restore and, you know, bring up to spec in a way, you know, I mean, they make parts for everything, you know, and a lot of that stuff sometimes just needs to be replaced or serviced, you know, and I think that's, that's in a nutshell, you know, you can build, you can build great quality out of used equipment as well. So when uh, when the Hellraiser first showed up at your at your place, I imagine it's in a crate. Things brand new, and uh, essentially the thing uh, there's there's not too much on the bike that didn't get changed out. Like uh, what on the bike that uh, stayed stayed stock from uh, from from how you presented it to, uh, to how you how you received it. Well, I mean, yeah, it wasn't a crate. They it showed up um, Power Sports Services out of Oregon. They delivered it um it was December twenty ninth. Seven weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, so it was it was it was, it was kind of a short time frame, you know, but I always 
it's always my goal. If I get something like this, I want to get it done in a month. You know, I think that's, yeah. I think that's a fair amount of time to turn around a custom bike build. You know what I mean? I think, I think that's doable. That's the goal I set for myself. You know, some might have gone over a few days, but I always want to stick to that one month uh, time frame. You know, getting parts and you know whatnot, facilitating the build, um, and going and going that direction. So, but yeah, it showed up in a crate uh, the 29th. I uncrated it the first uh, of January, and it sat on the stand for a few days. You know, trying to come up with a game plan. Uh, and a direction for the bill, you know, and I think that was, that's, that's where you, I got to soak it up, you know, I got to think about it. I got to really take notes, you know, scribble, whatever it, it takes, you know, and, and kind of come up with the ideas and, and sit, sit, and look at the bike, you know, and, and think about it and imagine. And that's, that's where it really all comes together. And then I know I can go, you know, to the companies that I've always stayed involved with and, and say, this is kind of the approach I'm, I'm taking on this thing. What do you guys think? You know, but I'm always, I, I operate quietly a lot better than I do talking. Honestly, Brad. Like I, I'm not a hype guy. I just want to do my job and, and, and let my work do the talking. And I think that's, that's kind of, you know, that's always where I've been. I just want to stay quiet and, you know, do my thing. Well, uh, for all intents and purposes, that's, that's the way to be. When you've got a, a stunner on the, on the way, you want to kind of uh, keep it under wraps a little bit so when you finally pull the sheet away, uh, this thing's standing here and uh, everyone's jaws are on the floor. Um, did, did anyone surprise you as far as uh, like their reaction to the bike? I like There, there was chopper guys, there was uh, cafe racer guys, there's moto dudes at this uh, the one moto show. Um, but was was there any like uh, a, a surprising demographic that was actually pretty interested in it? Yeah, there was, and I think that you know that opened up my eyes a little bit. I, you know, I I didn't think that that you know yeah it was really unique. I mean, just to have something there, you know, get a different crowd attention, you know, and I think that's is really really cool. I'm really proud of that, and it, it's something I'm never going to forget either. You know, I think, you know, having an opportunity to do something like this, I mean, Tor Drake, he's the owner of, you know, CC Motorcycles, and he builds some wicked custom stuff. Like, he came up, and he's a moto guy. He rides, and I met him at the Dream Race last year, and we kind of just talked a little bit, and I was I was admiring one of the bikes that he had there, and that was kind of it, you know, and then, you know, he reached out on, on social media and sent me an invite. And I was like, is this serious? Is this real? You know, is this for real? Like, you want me to bring a bike and show a bike? I'm like, I don't have a bike, you know? It's, I was like, so then I had to make something happen. You know, I was like, well, I, I can't let this slip. I'm not willing to just let this slip and then wait till next year because that's never a guarantee. You know, tomorrow's never a guarantee. So that's the one I just looked at it as another opportunity to, to do something with it and, you know, for him to, to take notice that, that meant a lot to me. And he came out of his way at the show and looked at the bike for a little bit. And was like, you know, I was, uh, it was pretty cool to, to see, I guess his reaction, you know what I mean? And, you know, to be a part of that show. And yeah, it was a really cool eye opening for sure. 
Well, that's a special moment, and uh, we're going to talk about a few more of those special moments as well as, as, well as kind of where it all started uh, from back in Minnesota all the way up till uh, when you're uh, building bikes for uh, Nate Adams, uh, the Chris Ackerman Foundation, as well as uh, the Executioner. We'll do that right after these, these messages from Bill's Pipes, X-Brand Goggles, and of course, Bill's Pipes. Hey, this is Jake Weimer with Team Tedder Racing, and you're listening to Big MX Radio. We're going to commercial break. We'll be right back. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You, too, can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable, sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well... You better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. X-Racing Man. But more than bikes, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Fat bowl. Amigos with Bran. Oats for power. Bran's for speed. Ooh, that taste, what a delicious treat. Cereal bees, Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they are simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12 the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Two thousand and fourteen X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard and more. Check out EKSBrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing.
WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Bill's Pipes, the home of legendary performance. Since 1974, Bill's Pipes has been providing motocross and off-road riders the performance they need. Two-stroke or four-stroke, Bill's Pipes has the exhaust system for you. In recent years, we've seen a resurgence of the Bill's Pipes brand, and that's great news. And that's great news for motocross racers everywhere. For four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to dominate the fight on any brand. For you two-stroke guys, the MX2 Bill's Pipes exhaust system is the right one for the job and comes in works, nickel, and the all-new cone look finish that'll turn heads all day long. Head to BillsPipes.com right now and get the same pipe used by Billy Lidinovich, Vicky Golden, the JMR Suzuki team, Jesse Pierce, Nico Izzy, and David Cole. Bill's Pipes is craftsmanship at its finest. So go with Bill's Pipes and never settle. And we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Fly Racing, W Wheels, and Moto Ice Wrap. Still on the line with Tony Jeske over at Jeske MX Customs. Tony, um, clue me in on uh, kind of where you turned wrenches for the first time, where this addiction to motocross started for you. Because uh, I, like myself, you're a moto head. We could talk for motocro- about motocross for hours. Sometimes we do it twice in the same week. Um, but uh, to, to develop that type of uh, that addiction, you have to have some pretty positive experiences in your life at the beginning of it to, uh, to really uh, get this stuff ingrained in you so that uh, you're handing over large sums of money and in, in some cases entire 
higher paychecks to uh, to a sport that uh, sometimes leaves you on the ground. But uh, tell us how you uh, came to this uh, this world of loving motocross. Well, for me, I think it all started when I was a little boy. Um, I remember throwing a fit at a Yamaha shop because they had a PW50 in there, and I wanted to I'd tinker around with their play on it, and my dad wouldn't let me. And uh, I remember it was on the hitching post back in Minnesota. And I just, on that day, I'll never forget, you know. And then eventually my older brother, he got a 86 KX80, and my dad took me for a ride on it, and he ripped this wheelie, and it scared the crap out of me. And I think that from that moment on, I was like, these things are pretty cool. I want something to do with them in my life. And I worked out a deal with my parents. You know, convincing my mom was the hardest part. Um, you know, to let her son ride a motorcycle. You know, I was 11 at the time. And we worked out a deal. I had to save up half. So I would work with my dad in the summertime. He was an electrician. And just save my money. And, you know, I had 300 bucks in the bank. And, I found this 1986 KX80 in the classifieds. I just I was scouring those things for months, you know, and called the guys. They still had it, and I talked to my parents to bring me down there, bringing all of us down there to look at it. And it ran, and that was all I really cared about. And ended up was it was 650 bucks. So my parents actually went a little bit higher, you know, than what we negotiated, and we ended up going home with it that day. And it was definitely by uh, no stretch of the imagination. Uh, a cherry, you know, she was, she was a little rough around the edges, but it ran and that's all I cared about. That's what I learned how to ride on. Um, and then my dad and I, we went and did a fork service on it that next winter and badly needed. I'm sure. Oh man, it was horrible. We bought a service manual and tried to learn it because he and I were both learning it at the same time. You know, he didn't, he had motorcycles growing up and stuff like that, but never really took that, uh, path. You know, he would work on cars with his buddies and, you know, rebuild engines and stuff like that, but never the motorcycles. So I just remember we got the tools to pull that forks apart, and the oil in there was like sludge. And he was slide hammering, slide hammering them apart to, you know, to, to pop the bushings out and everything like that. And it was just puking this, this mess all over. And I was dying laughing. I was cracking. He was cussing, but I was laughing. It was, and from that moment on, I mean, that memory the precious one that I hold dear to my heart, you know, to have that time with my dad, yeah. you know, in the shop working and he's frustrated. I'm, I'm cracking up, but it was, it was something I think from that point on, like I wanted to do something with these as a career in a, in a, in a path of my life. And so from that point on, that was it, you know, watching Supercross, you know, on TV and I stumbled across a, a MMI, you know, commercial through that. And, you know, I talked to my parents about it, so I ended up enrolling uh, at the Motorcycle Mechanics Institute when I was, when I was 15, and, you know, basically set the path right there, you know, get through high school and graduate, and then moved down to Phoenix when I was 18, and, you know, attended the program there, you know, their Honda, their Honda class at the time was 12 weeks, and they had a watercraft course, which was like a specialty course at the time, they don't longer, they no longer have that course, but um, you know, graduated and then moved back to Minnesota and worked at a Polaris in a, in a Yamaha shop. But I always wanted to be a race mechanic. I was always fascinated with the, the, the tuning aspect, you know, the, the crew behind the scenes. You know, I remember going to the Minneapolis Supercross, uh, you know, on a few occasions and just going to hotels where the mechanics were building the bikes and I would just sit on a curb and watch. You know, it was just one of those deals. And even at Millville at the Pro National, I'd sit behind a fence and just watch, 
the mechanics, you know, work on the bike. So I was just fascinated with that. I had, you know, I was a fan of the sport and the riders and, you know, but I made that choice when I was, you know, 15, not knowing that I wasn't going to make a career as a racer, you know, but I wanted to make a, uh, I wanted to make it something in my life. And just finding that fascination in the equipment alone is what's driven me to take that path. And, you know, some of the guys that I used to watch, you know, working on their bikes at the hotel parking lot or in the pits, you know, we became teammates at some point or another. It was pretty neat to kind of see it all unfold and just real, you know, proud moments, you know, to, to look up to those guys and then it'd be, you know, to be on the same team, you know, with them was really cool. You know, learned a lot from those guys. You know, this, this, you know, this wouldn't, you know, I would, I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have, you know, training from some of the best technicians in the world, you know, in, in real circumstances. I mean, you go racing at the professional level, that's where you find out stuff's going to break. You know what I mean? And that's where you find out parts have a, have a limit and it might not be, but two hours, you know what I mean? So I guess that's the best training in the world. And that was a step that I, was, I wanted to take a dream that I've filled, you know, since I was a kid and, uh, and then to make a train into this next step, you know, which I've started to realize is this is a real dream. You know, I always wanted to own my own shop, but never really thought it would be this, you know, customizing dirt bikes. You know, I still ask myself the question, what am I doing? You know, I'm trying to sell custom dirt bikes. I mean, is that real? You know what I mean? Like, but you got to believe in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the thing. I got, I got a lot of faith in this and I got a strong belief and I know that's where my heart is. So I have to keep following it and in time, you know, and build the Eiffel Tower, Eiffel Tower overnight. So, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away. Well, right on. And, uh, of course, uh, like through your, the early portion of your riding days, uh, were you a district 23 guy? And, uh, if so, I don't doubt that you would have come across uh, a young lad by the name of, uh, Ryan Dungey at some point. Yeah. Yeah. District 23. I remember, Kellogg. I remember going to the track. Yeah, oh, yeah, Kellogg. I see Ryan at Kellogg. Staples. That's the first time ever Actually, yeah, Staples. Was, when was the I last time Staples. you raced Staples? Because I might have raced you there. Oh, golly, man. Staples? Oh, 2016? I mean, I had it in like 98. Oh, okay. So you, you were done at, at Staples uh, just before I started. So uh, didn't cross yeah. paths that way. But uh, either way. Yeah. Uh, fun track. Fun track. Fun, like, I, anything. Honestly, I, I love the, the track. I don't know if you all any did any of the DMC races either uh, up in North Dakota where they have uh, Greenbush and uh, Laird Moore, stuff like that? No, I never went over to the Dakotas. Okay. I think I went to Wisconsin once. That was the only, that was the only time I went out of the state. Okay. But it was, you know, I remember, you know, speaking of Ryan, I, Jade and I raced in the B class together. And, you know, I, I, I was kind of mid, I was a mid-pack guy. You know, Jade would be up front, but... It was it was a lot of fun, you know, kind of seeing how everything has gone for everybody's life, you know, from that, you know, and you cross paths and then you kind of stray and you come back and it's just crazy to think, you know, and to see where Jade's at now, I'm just I'm excited for him. And same with Ryan, I mean, the whole family, great people. I mean, I, I, it's, I'm just happy to see where they're at, you know. It's funny, speaking of Ryan, when I was working for Jason Lawrence, he approached me um, to work for him when he was an amateur. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, huh. <laughs> you know, just kind of that thought crosses your mind. You know? 
been it's like Carlos like, and get pulled forward like he did with uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. with with Davey. Yeah, you just can't. You never know. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. But it was still an honor to even have to consider, you know, old good old Tony boy to work on his bikes. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. You know, I think the, the relationship from being from Minnesota and talking over the years, I'm just happy to see where he's at now, man. The guy, the guy, the warrior, you know, he's a great ambassador for the sport, too. And if you would have accepted that invitation from Ryan, you had had the, the, the pleasure uh, of working on a 2004, 2005, 2006 uh, RMZ 250F, which uh, you were still able to do with uh, with Jason Lawrence. An absolute pleasure of a bike to work on. Very little issues engine-wise. Uh, pretty much just grips and graphics, right? Oh, she was flawless. Not. <laughs> it was a it was a definite learning experience as a mechanic. Man. I mean, it definitely, yeah, you learn a lot real quick because you had to. I mean, I had transmissions that were junk. I mean, I, I was working with Eric Sorby that year in Supercross. Every every week, it was like second, third, fourth going in the trash, and you know, you're putting new ones on. And, I mean, you got literally you know two hours on it. I mean, just garbage, man. It was. I'm glad that they changed their mind and, and went their own ways because they needed to. I think it was, yeah, overheating and just, yeah, bringing back nightmares, Brad. You're bringing back nightmares. Oh, man. Well, uh, let's uh, let's reminisce a little bit about uh, working with a kid like uh, Jason Lawrence. Unbelievable skill on the motorcycle, often misunderstood. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, I think what I explained on Sunday is that uh, he gets a lot of uh, flack from all these hardcore racers. Um, but I think it, it's, uh, it's, it's misinterpreted. I think a lot of people aren't as just angst against him uh his personality because uh like i think jason will always just do what jason wants to do but uh what frustrates fans is that we we as fans see what was inside we see the the raw skills and the talent that's available and honestly we just want to see the guy be able to uh make good on 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 those skills because lord knows if i was able to twist the throttle like uh like jason lawrence um we, i think we all kind of feel like we would we would train our asses off and we we never uh, go out and party and we do like you know, all, all the things that he's been criticized for I think it's frustration more than it's anything else that people really just wish that he uh, had, had been able to uh, achieve the things that uh, that were kind of forecasted for him yeah I think there's you know a little bit of well, there's a lot of frustration you know what I mean from from the fans perspective I got bummed on it personally you know it was like man you you he recognized his full potential by winning a West Coast championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's not easy. So I, I there you know there's more in the tank. And I knew it was gonna happen. I knew it was just a matter of time. I mean that first day at Southwick, I'm like, this guy's gonna be a champ. No doubt in my mind, this guy's gonna be a champion. I don't know when, but if he keeps going this way, it's gonna be pretty soon. You know what I mean? And it's just at that time when he's laying down that you know, last time just like Tedesco on what he was on, you know bearing that it would hold together, I mean, there's no doubt, you know, he got attention real quick and what he should have, you know, he deserved that. And it's just the raw ability and the talent was just incredible. I saw that guy take lines that I never would have thought in a thousand years, you know, someone would have done, you know, that's kind of an exaggeration, maybe a hundred years, you know what I mean? But it's just the creativity on the motorcycle, you know, where he would find his speed was, you know, where it would make up time it was just unreal. 
plus a, uh, a a determination that most people wouldn't give him credit for, uh, especially in in his. Uh, his First, uh, was it his first national at, at Southwick, where uh, I think the first moto was uh, a bit of an eventful uh, uh, experience for both he and uh, yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first one, I mean, the gate dropped, and he, you know, well, I guess we got through practice, and I knew, like, okay, I just hope the bike reaches all together, because this is going to be, yeah, it's either going to be incredible, or it's going to be a giant failure, you know, and, um, you know, the first first gate drop he came out you know kind of got a crappy start and about mid-pack i think a couple laps around he was already within the top 10 and i was like and he was charging like he was he was getting to the front you know and he was battling and i can't exactly remember i'm trying to think now i mean the second moto was more carnage for sure but he was just banging bars you know you know getting through the first moto and he ended up inside the top 10 and then the second moto, uh, we get back out there and, you know, same scenario, kind of like a mid-pack start. And he comes around. He's inside the top ten again, and he's banging bars with Kelly Smith, I think it was. And they were just bashing each other out there, I mean, just clobbering each other. It was great racing. I mean, they were going for it. And, you know, he pulled in to the mechanics area. You think he was like six. And... I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, the bike's getting slow. I'm like, well, I don't care. Just freaking go. You know, I mean, what are you, what are you thinking? You know, like, get back out there. And so he gets back out there and he's, you know, and now he's within the top 20, you know, and, and, um, you know, he, he then I, I saw the muffler flapping around. I'm like, what's going on? What happened? You know, oh, here we go. So he pulls back in. I was getting slower and I look and sheared the bolt off. Uh, where the muffler, you know, or the silencer bolts at a subframe. And so Motorworld Suzuki was right there, and I was I was still employed by Motorworld Suzuki at the time. It was kind of, you know, it was a team deal, trying to help Jason out, you know, and they had an FNF silencer. So Dean handed me the silencer, and I ended up dropping it right in the sand, you know, filling the hole. The the the, the insert end where it goes to the mid-pipe, you know, a bunch of sand in there, and I'm like, this is just crazy. So I dump it all out and, you know, slam it on there, and, take the seat bolt out and I jam the seat bolt in as far as I can, you know, before it stops. And basically it's just jiggling around on the seat bolt. And he goes back out there and makes it a couple laps. And at that point, he's like, this thing's not even rideable. Like it's vibrating like crazy. So I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'm like, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I'm done. So, you know, at that point we took the DNF and we rode back to the truck and I rode it around trying to figure it out. And it didn't, you know, it definitely wasn't right. So, I think making an educated decision was the right thing to do at the time and, you know, not risk an injury um, for what it was worth. You know, I think we knew kind of where we stood leaving that event and, you know, going into to Bud's Creek, I believe the next weekend, you know, on a fresh engine, same bike, um, you know, just gone through and then uh, went and raced and ended up, you know, I think he finished right outside that top 10 overall, but he set the fastest lap time in the second moto, uh, which is pretty incredible. It, you know, that bud streak gets pretty stinking rough. And, you know, to do that was was pretty awesome. We left there on a, a pretty big high. And I think we went, you know, went to Red Bud that next weekend and struggled there, but ended up, you know, all in all improving through the season. 
you know, and Jeff Cernick ended up uh, stepping on board after Redbud. Uh, I guess to kind of backtrack a little bit, Motor World Suzuki, you know, put them under their tent for Redbud, you know, on their engine, because you know, they were trying to, to maybe get him onto the team to fill in. I was working with Sorby, and he hurt his, you know, broke his wrist after High Point, and that's when the whole thing with Jason came up. Um, and I, I, I just started working with Jason then, and then, you know, uh, kind of jumping all over the place right here. I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, but, who was uh, the, uh, the team manager over at uh, Motor World at that time? Was that uh, Paul? Lindsay. Paul Lindsay, yeah. Paul yeah. Lindsay. What's your best Paul yep. Lindsay story? Oh, I don't really have one, actually. I mean, Paul, <laughs> Paul, when I worked with him, great guy. I mean, I know they were in Colorado a lot, but, uh, you know, Dean, uh, Dean Gibson was our crew chief at the time. Yes. Whose name is everything actually Dean, Ed. by the way? Pardon me? His name's not actually Dean. Not? No. That's just no. what, what uh, oh, that's actually just what, uh, oh. Phil Lawrence started calling him one day. And, uh, yeah. Dean Albanvino. Yeah. <laughs> Dino Van Dino from San Bernardino. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I, was the, I, I don't know his I, I don't know his first name offhand, but I always find it funny that uh, his name's actually not Dean. Yeah, what is it now? I, I mean, I can't remember. Not feel like <laughs> but I always call him Dean. Yeah, oh, that's what I knew. <laughs> but it was you know Dean was the, kind of the man to charge the shop at Longacre as well, and so you know, kind of getting back to that, you know, we kind of came up with an idea to get Jason on the, on the motor roll bike. And, uh, so we did that for red button. Just kind of had, that was an off weekend for him. He, I think things may have, you know, to where he was, you know, he was just having a rough time. And then, so we left red bud and then they parted ways. Uh, Paul really wasn't interested in Jason anymore at the time. And then, uh, kind of let that go. And, so Jeff Cernick had stepped in and I had to talk with Paul. I'm like, look, I really want to finish the season with Jason. You know, he understood and was totally fine with it. And we just kind of parted ways. And, um, so I went to go with Jason to, you know, Unadilla and they put him on the Cernick's bike, uh, which, you know, he was teammates with Flicks all the time and uh, basically got the same bike, you know, PC engine suspension uh, and went to Unadilla and he had a good show in there. I mean, he was, Inside the top ten again, and uh, yeah, I think we ended up right. I, I can't remember if it was like a twelfth overall. I can't remember. I think it might have been a twelfth overall. Um, but that was one of those moments too. As a mechanic, I started in the first model. I started seeing uh, smoke, you know, white smoke. No, it was, it was blue smoke. So it was oil. I'm like, where's it? Where's it coming from? You know, every time you come around, I'd look. Because back then, you in the mechanics area, you could kind of get up close and personal. They didn't have so fenced off like cat, yeah, like cattle, like they do now. And you know, you could get in there and see. And I couldn't see anything coming from the engine. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm, I, you know, I didn't say anything on the pit board because I didn't want to freak them out either. And you know, I just kind of gauging it. It was just a steady little stream of smoke. It wasn't like it was pouring out of there. So just trusted my instincts and. We got through the moto. I you know, shut her down, got it back to the truck, and ended up pulling the tank. And it was a uh, a valve cover bolt that had stripped out in a cam cap. And so we we fixed that. You know, going to the second moto, you know, it only lost a little bit of oil, only a couple hundred cc's, and plenty to at least get through. Um, 
you know, talked to the PC guys. We fixed it all up and then got him back out for the second moto and he had a positive race again and just kept the momentum going, you know, and that's kind of when things, you know, he got Mitch's attention a little bit and, you know, Mitch started helping us out a little bit more, you know, with some parts. We got some really, really cool Italian radiators, the same ones that the, you know, his race team guys were using at the time. Nice. That was, that was, you know, that was a, a privilege. A big help know, on those that. particular machines. Yeah. yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. I mean, it was huge and, you know, it was just more to have that on your bike, just more confidence. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, we're not going to hold the peace. You know, it's like, okay, this is good. So, and then the help just getting better, you know, it gets better and better, you know, every week. And so it, it, you know, it, it got to the point where it's pretty much on a PC RMZ 250, which, you know, I mean, it wasn't his, it wasn't Mitch's bikes, but it was pretty close. And, uh, but didn't have all the titanium or anything like that. It was, it was just you know, a yellow stock one. hardware. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. <laughs> Back then it, those things were uh, completely, uh, like interchangeable, everything. The only, the only solid difference was the, the paint color on the frame. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, you could put a, it, it, all the cases were stamped KX, I believe. Yes. If I can remember correctly. So it was, it was, it was a, it was a neat year. Fact, you know, 05 was a, did you a guys run year. the, uh, the Kawasaki, uh, plastics for the front end or the Suzuki plastics for the front end? Because, uh, that was the trick that, uh, Suzuki or the factory Suzuki was pulling was they were putting, uh, two stroke fender and, uh, front, um, front number plate to, uh, to make it look more Suzuki ish. But, uh, uh, those yeah. in the know knew what, what was up going on there. Yeah. You knew what was going on. Yeah. I think, I can't remember if it was a triple clamp change that you had to make. You did, yeah. I know what the, it was a, yeah, a ratio. The, it was a ratio that uh, Suzuki's liked better, I guess. Yeah, because if what I remember yeah. about those bikes is they were totally raked out. Like even my 06 250F, you look at the thing sitting on the stand and you're like, why is the front wheel all the way out there? Um, yeah, but and I actually have yeah. a picture of it when it's even worse. I'll I'll send it to you in just a little bit here. But um, yeah, like the really really interesting the the way you kind of uh, jumped into wrenching. Like was, was that your first uh, professional experience? Uh, 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 wrenching on bikes was working with uh, Jason. No, it, it goes back to uh, 2003. Oh, tell me more. On the, on the professional circuit. Okay, so I, but after I got done with MMI, I moved back to Minnesota and I worked in a Polaris and Yamaha shop. Yes. And I always just kind of, I knew Jamie Grosser, you know, from the years of Minnesota motocross, and I knew he was a pro. And you know, I just kept talking to him about you know being a mechanic and you know trying to trying to open up that door and. You know, he, he told me he had somebody and he was getting ready for the season. And I stayed on him a little bit here and there and call him every once in a while and just check on him. And one day he just called me and I was at work and he said that the, the, he was looking for a mechanic and I talked to my service manager. And, you know, I quit my job that day and packed up my tools. And that was the 28th of December, 2002. And, uh, headed home and I packed a bag and, you know, I talked to my parents about it and grabbed a couple of CR250s that he had in his house and crates. And he had this, like, uh, like kind of like a fun mover back then. And we loaded them up and I hit the road the next day that night and headed for California for him. I have one. And I got out, uh, with the first of January and Jamie wasn't racing until Phoenix, but we had to get Marco Dubé, uh, up and running. So we had to get his bikes ready and he was riding a 450. And you had to understand so had what the couple. hell he was saying. 
Yeah, it was hard to talk to Marco every once in a while. Ah, uh, the bike um, is so is not so good, you know. It's uh, it's all right. Yeah. I don't know it's uh, uh, spin the wrenches, uh, two clicks. I don't know. Yeah, it's very yeah, French, French, you know, French Canadian. <laughs> Actually, built, I I we have we have that in common. I have built a race bike for for Marco Dubé in 2006. He came here for an arena cross. Literally uncreated a brand new 250F from KTM and uh, and raced. So uh, we have that in common, oh. my friend. Right on, man. Well, Marco, he's a funny guy. I, I remember that. He did like the park. I know that, too. Yes. But he was definitely a, a funny guy. Definitely a fun guy to be around, too. So continue fun with your story. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, that's okay. That's okay. So that's kind of where it all started to, you know, to get into the professional uh, ranks as being a mechanic. And so from, you know, working with Jamie, you know, traveling the circuit, you know, I thought there was more than, I guess, kind of what I was, what I was working, you know, driving around and not getting paid a whole lot and, you know, doing all that work for, for what, you know, and I know it was a dream, but it was, man, there's, there's more to this. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to excel. I want to, I want to move up, you know, and so just networking and doing good work and, you know, that that's part of the process and the learning, you know, and I think, you know, from going from that experience with running the Supercross series, you know, the, the job op, the job opportunity came up to work with the subway motocross team at the time with Ted Campbell for the outdoors. So the Jamie team didn't go to the outdoors, so I, I needed to find an outdoor gig anyway. So I, ended up, I took that job and then I uh, worked with Ted throughout the summer. It was great. Ted was a great guy to work for. Um, you met Jason Thomas. To, yeah, and then JT was on the team. Uh, Joe Aloff as well. So it was, a, it was a really fun, it was like a little family. You guys were sponsored you know, by you know, Coke and they didn't pay? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was actually off the team at the time. Okay. That was 05. I, I didn't work. I, we we had some other issues with payment. <laughs> it had nothing to do with Coke. But, um, you know, it ended up uh, getting smoothed over, I guess you could call. But it, it uh, you know, it was a great experience as well. I mean, driving around the country, you know, being a kid and, you know, seeing the country was, was a lot of fun. You can't replace those moments. And, you know, I think I've hit every state in this country except for a couple of them. And Maybe Alaska. I think. Yeah, I'm in Alaska, Hawaii. I haven't been there yet either. But, you know, the Carolinas, that's the only few I haven't covered um, on the mainland, I guess you could say. No doubt. So, it, uh, it was pretty cool. You're just to looking up to guys to like Steve Mathis, Dave Dye, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Berluti. Rookie, I mean, yeah. Yeah, rookie. I know he was, yeah. a, he was a big Canadian guy. A big, uh, yeah, yeah, rookies are good people. And he, you know, looking up and goofs, I mean, all those guys, you know, as a race mechanic, that's you aspire to be, you know what I mean? And having, having, just watching them and learn from them, trying to be a sponge. And what did you learn you know, from these guys? And, oh, man, just, just the, the approach, you know, I think, and, and thorough. You have to be thorough. You have to be very detailed. You have to, if you can think it can happen, it probably can. So you have to prepare yourself for something like that too. You know what I mean? Just on bike field days at the hotels. I mean, you just, everybody does their job, but you know, you go and you BS with the other guys after you're all sitting down and have a beer. You know what I mean? It's just that camaraderie is really cool. And, but I think kind of getting back to, you know, the old subway days and driving around the country and, you know, seeing the factories and just, you know, just, dreaming that, that that's the direction you want to go. You know, I remember being at Washougal and, you know, getting done with your bike. I was building a wheel 
on the, you know, build a wheel and I threw it on the bike. You know what I mean? It was like, kind of hokey, but that's all we had. So it's just what you had to do at the time. But I remember Cody, he was working for Josh Wood at the time. He fired up his KTM 125 after getting the build it. And I was just, oh, I just stopped and listened. It was so cool. But just hearing that thing just rap. I mean, it was, it was rap. It was really cool. And I, those are no, no other memories, you know what I mean, that are just embedded in my head. Yeah. So it's, you know, and I think that's kind of always what you aspire to do. You want to work on the best equipment out there. You want to go for the best results that you can get, but you got to put the time in it. you got to make the sacrifices to do it. And, you know, I, I figured I'd up and left my family back in Minnesota to pursue a dream, and, you know, I'm going to do it. So I can I can do a lot of this stuff elsewhere if that's what it is, you know, be it sitting behind a desk or, you know, working in the family business as an electrician, you know, that's that's, you know, that was the path that was there for me, but that wasn't the path that I wanted to take. And so I guess that's kind of where the whole, you know, being a professional mechanic came into play and aspiring to do that and to work, you know, for some of the best teams in, in, in the racing industry at that level. You know, that was the goal. And eventually I got to that point. You know, I, I, I uh, after working with Jason, you know, in 2005 and, the motor world team then I got an opportunity to work with, you know, Tommy Hahn. Yeah. Then it was the factory connection, you know, Sobe Samsung Honda outfit and since it's evolved to the Geico Honda outfit. So, you know, I I got that opportunity and that was a permanent fixture for me. I mean, as a race mechanic, you bounce around and you always wonder, you know, where's your next contract gonna be? You know, like I don't want a year contract. I wanna be here. This is it, you know, this is where I've always seen myself. I don't, work, I don't want to go work for the factory, you know, and I want to be on this team, you know, and, and totally. I got to that point and, you know, got to work with Tommy at that season, which was really neat. You know, Tommy, he was fired up. I was fired up and we had the best season we had together, you know, we ended up getting fourth in the East Coast Supercross series, you know, with the DNF. And so that was, that was an accomplishment. And uh, outdoors, he broke his elbow at high point. So we had to sit out a good amount of the outdoors, but he came back and he fired and he ended up right outside the the, the top twenty. So it was it was good to see that. He ended up a top five at Glen Helen, you know. It was it was cool to to see what we were able to accomplish that year with a little bit of, you know, animosity and it was that was a lot of fun. You know, but then since then, you know, two thousand seven he got hired by the factory Honda outfit. And that kind of left me in a position, you know, right before the economy tank that I had to make a decision. I had a position that I could, you know, fulfill there at the race team. And that was uh, basically to do the parts, you know, to be the parts coordinator. So I saw that as, a, as another challenge, you know, and something that I could, you know, uh, do to the best of my abilities and learn something different about the racing industry. And it was eye-opening because you really see what a team uses, you know, and how much it really costs. And it's kind of flabbergasting, you know, I mean, you get a parts budget and you have to manage that and you start seeing that we're going to go over budget and then you got to answer, you know, why are we going over budget? It's just, yeah, it's not a, it's not a fun time, you know what I mean? But, you know, when you're a mechanic, you, it, it's, there's stresses in everything, I think. And, you know, I mean, you're dealing with somebody's life at the bottom line. You know, they're trusting you with their life and you better do a good job because that's, I couldn't live with something, you know what I mean? If, if, if I didn't, you know, 
take care of somebody. You know, that way they're trusting me and I got their life on my hands. So it's going to be right. You know, that's in my mind, I have to make peace at that. So you do what you got to do to make sure that, that that is the case. You know, it's not, it's not fun and games. It's serious. For sure. It's a pressure you cooker situation. Take, and, uh, yeah. um, for, for, for me, like I, I've always, uh, heard that um being a professional mechanic isn't a whole lot uh different from uh from being on the saddle yourself uh were you ever uh nervous and uh like what, like pre-race post-race the night before uh did i tighten that axle did i lube that like uh, is is this thing gonna blow on me yeah i think that crosses every mechanic's mind you know i think the first practice is always the most nerve-wracking because that's when that's when everything like you know, you know you've checked everything over I don't know how many times. You know, you always go through your ritual before the bike ever hit the track, every time it hits the track, you know what I mean? So yep. just bull checking here and everything and just to make sure but and we're talking about dirt bikes and high maintenance machines. Things fail just because they're they're high maintenance machines, they're tight tolerance. I mean parts will break. But if it's a if it's a if it's on the account of negligence, that's different. You know what I mean? And but that's why you always cross your eyes pretty Dot your eyes and cross your teeth, you know what I mean? And, but to be, I think to have some nerves is only natural, you know? There's hundreds of fasteners on that little machine, and it only takes one, you know what I mean? Especially when you're dealing with engine components. A retainer to back out or something crazy, you know what I mean? And, but it, it, a lot of that's learning, too, you know, even in stock form. I remember the older Honda 450s, they used to back out retainer bolts all the time. You know, and that was just something you had to keep an eye on. Every time you change them, you just throw them away. You, just, you don't even take a chance. You know what I mean? You pee them to make sure they don't come out. So it's, it's one of those things where you just, you've learned the process by just repetition. And, but yeah, I mean, anytime somebody jumps on a bike, you know, a valve could break. You know what I mean? It's just the, the nature of the beast, but it just makes it more nerve wracking, you know, in the, in the, and the stakes that are that are out there, you know what I mean. Totally, and, and uh, you, you've been able to work on some great equipment and make some good connections. In fact, uh, it was uh, on that factory connection team that you uh, wrenched for in '07, uh, where you met Billy Leninovich, who would uh, almost a full decade later would become a pilot of of one of uh, honestly one of my favorite uh, builds that you've done. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, I think that was. You know, Billy was somebody that I think everybody, I don't know, everybody is in awe at that guy's riding style. I mean, it's, he's like, he's so smooth. I mean, he's really some of the craziest whips I've ever seen in my life. And he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my life as well. And, you know, coming from this industry, that's hard to say at times, but it, you know, I was, I was honored to have him ride you know, one of the bikes that I built is that for me, that was, that was a goal. I don't want it. It's, it's not a show pony. Like I want to go out on track and I'm going to show you what it can do. And he's going to do it for me. I had to go, you know what I mean? So to have Billy on board with that was, was huge. You know, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment, you know, and I think that just kind of drove the point home a little bit more. Um, but it's not, you know, this is something that I, I believe in. This is something that I'm going to keep pursuing, you know, and I'm going to just keep building on that, 
you know, and I feel like I have a a niche and a and a valuable skill. You know what I mean? And I I just want to use it. I just want to apply it. It's a passion that I have, and I want to apply it in my day to day life, and just keep building the bikes that we can build, and you know, put some salty dudes on it that can go out there and put it through its paces because that's what I, I want to see happen. You know what I mean? I want to see what it can do with those guys out there. Absolute. And uh, after years of working with some of the best riders and some of, of some of the best and some of the not so best equipment out there in the world, uh, eventually uh, when you find a girl that uh, you, you want to settle down with and uh, you, you, you have a child with that, with that, uh, that woman, um, you've got a family. And at some point uh, traveling across the country in a box van or flying to every single race, uh, the shine uh, is a little bit less than it used to be. You got to settle down and you got to figure out a way to still do your passion, do what you're you're good with with your hands and uh, and do it in a different way and that's basically how uh jesky mx customs uh began not only uh doing some service stuff in your garage but uh then eventually uh taking on these projects uh basically uh transforming a motocross bike from tip to tail into uh an absolute weapon yeah i think that was the that was the goal honestly brad i never thought it would become this i and I don't know really what this is. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's kind of a gray area. But at the end of the day, you know, this is something that I've created. And I'm proud of that. And, you know, to I guess to put it into perspective that this, you know, this all started because of, you know, my wife and I, you know, getting pregnant with our, with our first son. And I was working, you know, a job and I wasn't happy doing it. And my attitude was poor and, and, you know, I'd show up to work every day on time and leave later than most, but still it was, it wasn't, I wasn't in a good place mentally, you know, and that's not fair to any company. You know, if I ever got to the point where I was hiring employees, I wouldn't want to know that, you know, my employees were feeling like that. And so, you know, I just developed a poor attitude and had a review and I told them I wasn't happy and, um, it was when I was working with factory connection and, you know, I wanted to get back in the shop more, you know, use my hands and I guess things just kind of didn't go that way. And, um, so that's why I just mentioned that I wasn't happy. I wanted to use my hands again and, you know, and I guess that's kind of when things got real and, you know, a few months later, you know, I was let go and, you know, our son, he was about, to be born. And he's kind of the one, I guess, prior to that overview, you know, knowing we're, at, we're, we're expecting, um, that got me to kind of think a little bit about, you know, where am I going to be happy? How am I going to be happy? Yeah. What do I got to do to be happy? And him coming into our lives, like, you know, even being unborn, it was, it motivated me and it kind of slapped me in the face. Like, well, how am I supposed to tell my kids that, they can chase a dream or pursue something if I'm not doing it myself. So that's where the time came that, you know, it was time to do something about this. You know, granted, I got into a moment where I was like, well, you know, I was in factory protection for a long time, including the race team. And, you know, it hurt. But again, if that didn't happen, 
this wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? So actually, I'm grateful that it happened because it it lit a fire. It slapped me in the face. And, you know, from that point, you know, we had our son, you know, actually three weeks early um, than expected. And I was able to be home. You know, we had him at home. So that was a pretty special experience. Uh, not not in the bathtub. Actually, we had our twins in the bathtub. Oh, okay. so that was that was a little bit more gnarly. But it was. I'm looking at yeah, that photo right now home. on your Instagram. Yeah. So it was. Yeah, it was it was incredible, man. And things in life that you do, <laughs> there's so much more important than what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think as a man, as a father, like there's things that I've been called to do that I never even thought would have been possible ever. You know what I mean? Like, it's incredible. The woman that I've married, she's a trooper. And she's pushed me to do things that I, out of, you know, out of my comfort zone. She's pushed me to continue with this, you know, and I want to quit. You know what I mean? And I think I, there's so much. There's more family involvement in this business than just me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I think eventually it'll be, a, it may be a family business if it becomes that. You know, and my kids want to take part of it. If they do, then that's great. I'm not going to push it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Make them do all the hard um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can just build yeah. custom bikes Poly. and they can do top ends yeah. on 250Fs. I'll be, I'll be Polly Senior on Orange County Choppers. No, Here we go. <laughs> but with more swearing. Uh, yeah, more swearing. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it's just been eye-opening, man. This whole experience, Brad. It, it, you know, having him, the way things have happened, it's been just very, there's been a reason behind it. You know, losing the job, being at home, being able to be there you know, and see that. And, and then eventually I, I got hired on for the, the JDR KTM team. And in the meantime, I was working out of my garage. You know, I was, I've been working out of my garage since 2006. Yeah. You know, just freestyle guys. And, you know, and then it's kind of just transitioned. Because those guys for know. sure don't know how to work on their stuff and they don't have a team to work on it. Yeah, some of them are pretty savvy, but I think the time, you know, is one thing. And it's just, they, they want to be able to count on it. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's been something that I've, you know, been able to make sure they're taken care of on, you know, like if you use a shop, you guys are good, you know, and you don't have to worry about, you know, your car boot coming off, if, you know, being a carbureted bike packed in or, you know, something being hooked up backwards. I mean, a lot of that's happened, you know what I mean? And I just think to have a reliable source has been helpful for those guys and to be a part of some of that success has been great too. You know what I mean? And actually so that, that's kind of where know, the, the custom bike builds, um, kind of originated with those guys doing some cool different stuff with their bikes because they have the ability to, uh, a lot of them aren't, aren't uh, supp- supported by the factory or any type of manufacturer. So uh, they can go all black. They can go uh, yellow with a green bike. They like whatever, whatever it happens to be. And they can, they can do some exciting things with wheel combinations and, uh, and whatnot, which uh, kind of, I assume kind of uh, triggered your, uh, your creative side a little bit. Yeah, I did. You know, I think on race teams, you know, I always wanted to kind of exercise a little bit of that, I think. You know, I never thought of myself as being creative or an artist or anything like that. I still don't think that. I just I just like to, to imagine things and put them into motion, I guess, in a way. And I think with the freestyle thing, you know, I, I, it's, I got connected to Ronnie Feist through Twitch. I did a top end for Twitch one time. And this and my friend, you know, Chris McAvoy, who's now at, you know, Bell Ray and Chris called me one day and 
he he was working for Yamaha Troy and he wasn't able to help him. So he asked if I could do it. I said, yeah, for sure, I'll do it. You know, do it tonight. And so Jeremy came up with his bike and top end, and uh, he asked if he could, you know, give Ronnie my number. And I said, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's side work. I'm excited to have a little bit of side work. You know, as a race mechanic, you're not, you know, you're not raking in the money. You know, I did this to get rich. I would definitely wouldn't have done this. You know, I would have been a doctor or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that you do this because you love it and could see the passion. And so from that point on, you know, Ronnie and I had worked together exclusively until recently. So that was, I mean, shoot, almost eight years. So it was almost, almost nine years. It's just, it's just crazy to think that, you know, that much time has gone by. But then it, you know, that's kind of where the whole, a lot of the customization, you know, was able to take place. You know, you bounce an idea off of them and say, you want to do this? What do you think? And they're all for it. Or they do don't red have chrome, uh, plastics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they don't have a manufacturer telling them that you can't, you know what I mean? So we do black bikes. I mean, we were in a frame a lot longer, than, a lot longer ago than, you know, I guess Chad Reed made it public, but it was one of those things where, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cool back then, but it was, for the freestyle scene, you know, it was cool to those guys because it made their bike unique and, you know, them part of their personality. I think that's a lot of it. That a lot of that was, you know, imprinted in my mind. I was able to actually get some of that out, you know, and, you know, I guess show them a different angle. Yeah. And you're even you know, able to work not- with a guy like, uh, Ronnie Renner, a guy who's, uh, been iconic for having, uh, some really cool bikes put together over the years. And, uh, you kind of kicked that off for him. Yeah. Yeah. I think with Ronnie, you know, one thing that I want to do, you know, I, I, we bumped into each other at Harbor Parade in Marietta, California, you know, a couple of years ago. And I had my shop and I just, I just, you know, I approached him and said, Hey, and you know, we see each other around and, yeah, I got a shop and, you know, I was just looking to see if you ever need anything, give me a call, you know, and I like, yeah, I actually might be looking for a mechanic. You know, I didn't really think much of it at the time, but I, I kept on him a little bit and, you know, ended up, we kind of worked the deal out and I keep up on his, you know, maintenance, you know, all of his equipment at his shop and, you know, and would work out of my shop as well. I was like, I think I was at his place three days a week and kept buying the other two. And then it kind of got to a point where I was like, well, I need to be at mine more and, so we got up after, you know, X games in 2014, kind of took some time and I would focus more on the shop and would help him, you know, as needed. Um, but then that's kind of where I wanted to, I want to show him, you know, what, what you can have, you know what I mean? And I, we built some bike. That's why I kind of surprised him with, you know, a little bit more creativity because KTM always built his bikes and they were always great. You know, and they were sound and they ran and performance is always number one, you know, but I knew I could provide that and then some. So it was, it was, that was when the cosmetic stuff came into play and, you know, it was just more personal, you know, I think that, and that bike turned out really unique and pretty cool, you know, and Ronnie had a lot to say with the graphics. And, you know, I think that was kind of the, 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 the tip of the iceberg, I guess you could say, as to what is available and then this year. You know, KTM did the engine on his factory edition, and I went through the whole bike, and he built it. You know, we we always always like to name the bikes, as I said. So at his shop, he's got I don't know how many bikes, but we named every single one of them just so I could keep them straight. <laughs> it was it was I, I, he had so many bikes. Um, 
but that was a way for me to know what had to be done and when it needed to be done and just paint and schedule. Um, and then this year with factory edition, you know, that was, that was a fun bike to build and to see come, come together and to, and to go and do what it was set out to do. And, and he pulled it off, man. Guy's got so much natural ability. He's another one. And it's just incredible what that man could do on a dirt bike. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And then, you know, Nate too. I mean, this whole, this last year at X Games, I mean, that was something I feel like, you know, I always wanted to do. I mean, a lot of my background is professional racing, but getting into the freestyle is fun, you know, and those guys are real cool people just to be around and they're real people, you know what I mean? They're not, you know, they're not fake. Oh, yeah. I think that our industry is kind of saturated with a lot of that. And I don't, I don't like it. That's kind of what pushed me to make this decision to start a shop as well. I guess it's kind of me flying a finger, if you'd say, you know, if you will. I, that's just, yeah, I guess that's where my head at, you know, and I think, you know, having those guys to be able to provide services for has been helpful and it's been validating. And, you know, I, I think that's been a great step. But now, you know, making this move and, you know, flying under this little umbrella, you know, I, I still, I'm still here. You know, I don't need someone to ride the bike just to prove it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess that's, that's, that's where my head is. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think that, this, you know, the Hellraiser is a statement for a reason. And that's really the first bike that I've been able to do as an independent. You know what I mean? So uh, I guess kind of getting back to the freestyle scene, you know, like develop friendships with a lot of these guys. And, you know, Nate, he's, he's another one, man. He's great people. And to be able to be a part of, you know, last year with him was very special to me. And to see, you know, kind of him getting his, his, his mojo back was really special. I wanted to help be a part of that because I knew he was kind of in a rough place. I just want the guy jacked up to ride his bike again because he can do incredible things when he is. You know what I mean? Yeah, big time. So it was that was really cool. Last year was really a spectacular year just for life. You know, a roller coaster ride. And but yeah, yes, I kind of got sidetracked there, Brad. I'm sorry. Not a worry. Are you kidding? This is your time, my friend. And uh, like I said, like I always say, anyone who's willing to uh, tap to dial up a, a motocross podcast uh, of any uh, length or, or topic uh, is is most likely a person who's searching for about as much content as they can possibly listen to. And uh, we, we've definitely provided that uh, so far, and will continue because uh, the next one, I, uh, the next project I wanted to talk about was something that's obviously close to very to all of our hearts it was uh that uh no doubt through all of those freestyle guys you were eventually connected with chris ackerman who uh, uh tragically injured in a, in a in a crash uh where uh he's now left as i believe a quadriplegic but uh he's got uh the chris ackerman foundation which is active in uh in funding research for uh disabilities and uh um and so you were able to uh, put together a bike that was uh, is part of some sort of a, uh, a fundraiser, which is really cool. Great cause. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, to have, it was an honor, you know, A, to meet Chris and to have him even consider me to, to do this. I mean, it was, you know, he reached out to me, you know, uh, Feist gave him my info and 
I think Chris had kind of been paying attention for a little while. Chris is a very detail-oriented guy, loves the sport. He's got so much raw passion for it and lives and breathes it. I mean, you know, what's happened is, you know, he's got so much positivity in in him. He's touched me in uh, in more ways than I think he even recognizes, you know what I mean? To be able to build a friendship with him and, you know, build this motorcycle for him and, and, and give it to him was like, that was very special, you know. And he still has it. it we, I know he's working on the raffle for it. Um, kind of going through some stuff, but it'll it'll be it'll be raffled off um, soon, hopefully. Um, That's really was, cool. That was a lot. Of, yeah, that was a lot of fun to build that bike. And whoever gets that bike is going to be pumped because we I mean, we did we did a fair amount of work to it. We did some engine work to it. We, you know, twisted development. Um, Jamie's a friend of mine. You know, so we did the head. You know, some some ECU tuning and. So we wanted to build a, a solid bike, you know, that someone wanted to race Supercross on it, they could. And because at the time, that's kind of what was coming around. So whoever would have, you know, we wanted to build it so it can definitely be usable and perform as well. And he had, you know, Chris had very specific requests and we were able to facilitate that. And just, yeah, it was fun to wheel it in and to get his reaction, you know, to his house. And yeah, it just, to develop the friendship from that point on, you know, was great. He still, I mean, he gives me crap so much. <laughs> he gives me as yeah, all good he, friends do. Because <laughs> Ronnie always calls me Big Tony. So when Chris met me, he's like, "Man, I thought you were gonna be like six five, and you're like five eight, 135 pounds." I'm like, "Well, I, I'm sorry, I to disappoint you, but that's the reality here." <laughs> so he always, he always makes fun of my hand size, but it's just one of those deals where. You know, to to be able to to build a relationship with a guy like that, and to you know, when I think I'm having a bad day, man. You know, no kidding. I, I know Chris. I know Chris would be there in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? But that he doesn't. Yeah. So anytime I can ever be a part of that man's life, I'm all in. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's, he, what, that's one of the, my bucket list guys as far as coming, having on the show. Uh, uh, yeah. Still passionate about the sport that essentially put him uh, in the uh, in the chair that he's in for the rest of his life and uh, still actively watches. He's uh, um, a huge motocross fan and uh, it takes a big person to uh, take an injury like that and not get bitter, not get affected that way and uh, just not how he, that's not how he approaches things and um, great, to, great to hear that he's still doing great things and that the, the foundation is doing well and uh, continues to do great things yeah yeah i only think it's going to get better you know i think just bringing awareness to it is the first thing and you know for me to be able to be like i said you know considered for that type of an opportunity to get back to to athletes you know that are that are injured you know due to spinal cord injuries is is huge you know what i mean so this sport's you know, we can do that, but it's not just motocross that can, you know, there's other ones out there that can do it too. You know, I think just having a, uh, a foundation that supports that is huge, big time. And Chris is a great ambassador for it. I mean, he, guy's got so much sense of humor and piss and vinegar, man. I mean, he, just thinking about him now, it just cracks me up because I can already hear it in my head just getting shit. You know what I mean? It's just like, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'll take that. You know, like, man, that's, Old Ackerman. He, you know, he does so like to jot people, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's what makes him special. You know what I mean? I think that's and and he's real. You know what I mean? He's a real dude. You know, and you, 
he's not gonna he's not gonna blow smoke up your butt or anything like that. He's just gonna be straight up with you and he'll tell you what's on his mind. I'd rather take it like that than any other way. You know what I mean? No kidding. Uh, Chris is the guy in the locker room that when you walk in, you don't want to make eye contact because he'll be all over you like uh, like a dirty shirt. But uh, all in good fun. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I don't think like I think when it comes to Chris, I think that is like uh, I connect with that because that's definitely me when I'm uh, playing uh, beer league hockey. Doesn't matter who you are. Uh, I'm a friend of you if I'm making fun of you a little bit because uh, if if I'm not saying much, it's because I probably don't like you. Exactly. I think I learned that when I was young. You don't like somebody. You know, you're not going to talk to them. But if you do, you're going to give them a bunch of garbage. Yes. So take it as a compliment. You know what I mean? And I think that's, that's the biggest thing with the end. I don't know, man. This whole thing with dirt bikes, I never ever thought of that. But I, A, meet the friends that I have. You know, I don't have many, but the ones that I do are quality. And that's that's what matters to me, you know. And, you know, being able to, to dream about something and to, and to put it into motion, I think is it's incredible. I mean, there's so many things out there. People have dreams. If I can inspire someone to pursue a dream, if it's, you know, launching a spaceship or if it's being a police officer, a firefighter, or a dirt bike mechanic or anything, I mean, that's all that matters to me. I mean, if I can, if I can motivate someone to do something like that, it helps me motivate myself. You know what I mean? To keep going and to, to keep pushing, you know, I mean, there's a lot. It's not going to be easy. It never was. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing to me is like, this is actually, this could, it can happen. You know, I believe it can happen. And I'm going to do what I can to make it happen. Couldn't so I think that's, you know, meeting people like this that have, you know, inspired me. It's just, it's huge. Absolutely, and it's all about connections and and, uh, and building relationships within the industry uh, because uh, there's so many there's a lot of great people in the industry, and I know we, we've talked about there's some uh, there there are some. Uh, not so great people in the industry, but uh, those are more few and far between. Motocross people are inherently, I would say, uh, good people overall. And um, building these great relationships with these people allows you to uh, do things like like you're doing right now with some of these builds. Coming, getting to know these companies, uh, Ron Hinson over at uh, at, at Hinson, um, Bill over at Bill's Pipes, as well as. Uh, Brandon Dunn, who's a huge friend of pretty much anybody who's uh, willing to look their way as far as uh, coming up with uh, a really cool exhaust system. Um, but uh, how did you cultivate the type of uh, relationship that uh, that would needed to uh, to put together uh, not only the Hellraiser but uh, the Executioner, another two-stroke project that you had, um, give or take. Uh, Two three months ago, uh, a bike that um, Billy Leninovich was able to throw a leg over, and uh, like we said earlier, uh, use some of those natural skills that he has at his disposal to uh, make the thing look way too easy. I know. I mean, that was a huge. Because I mean, it, yeah, having him on the bike was, you know, like we talked about, it was critical. You know, I think just his style, his flair, his his attitude, his, his demeanor, his character, I mean, all that stuff just made sense as to what this company represents. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not scared to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, the professional outfit and, you know, having companies on board like Ron and Hinton and Brandon and Bill, I mean, that's just, that solidifies things. You know what I mean? Like, it legitimizes things and, I mean, to have their support is huge. You know, Ron and I, we met back when I was working at the factory connection, you know, and I was handling all the parts because I would go through Ron. And then, 
you know, it kind of just transitioned from, you know, working out of my garage on site stuff because we would get, you know, instant products back then. And so it kind of evolved a little bit um, into what it is today. And there's a friendship and there's a trust. And, you know, that's something that's way more valuable than any dirt bike park to me could ever take place of. You know what I mean? I think having people on board, I mean, this is what you see is what you get. So when you get a Jesse MX Custom, you know it's got thought, quality, detail, determination. I mean, all that stuff is within that motorcycle. And then there's parts. You know what I mean? And I think that anybody can slap on parts. You know, and I think how do you how do you diversify yourself? How do you sell a unique product and talking about dirt bikes like someone goes in yard sales or dirt bike and they just spent you know x amount of dollars on a custom they're gonna be pretty bummed you know what i mean yeah. but at the same time it's not like you're buying a, a full custom chopper you know what i mean like there's there's relevance and there's a reason you know it's like yeah okay i'm not gonna go sell a dirt bike for you know seventy five thousand dollars i mean that doesn't make sense you know what i mean yeah or even 50. It's like you look at like a factory bike, for instance, like, yeah, you know, a factory Honda, you're going to be looking at a hundred thousand plus, you know, that's what that bike's worth. You know what I mean? Mainly because it has $10,000 worth of uh, bolts on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the suspension and the R&D time and the, you know, the, the special parts that are unobtainable, you know, magnesium. The unobtainable. Everything that's just, yeah, exactly. Just the crazy parts on it. But, you know, what I'm doing is I'm taking a stock platform and I'm building off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's means to manufacturing and R&D and all that stuff that can come along with it, but that's a learning process as well. I don't, I'm not chopping the steering necks off and raking them out and I'm not, you know, building ridges out of them and all this other stuff. You know, I'd like to build like a pretty badass urban assault vehicle someday. That's kind of on my radar, but I don't, I don't know when that'll happen you know, or maybe even a badass super mini or something like that. But it's, you know, those, those opportunities have to, have to go after those. So I think kind of getting back to the executioner and, you know, having a two stroke project like that, it couldn't come at a better time. You know what I mean? And my friend Kyle, uh, he worked for BP racing fuels. He approached me with the, the idea, um, for his father, like they were going to, Surprised his dad with a YD250 for Christmas because yeah. it was probably his last dirt bike, and he's a die, you know, a diehard two-stroke guy. Rides, you know, single track trails in the woods, and just loves the the, the 250 two-stroke. So they got the bike, they brought it to me, and then uh, it just kind of it, it was in the shop for a while. And then at that time, we were getting ready to have the twins, so things were kind of chaotic. It's just with life in general, making sure my wife was okay, and we were going to make full term in pregnancy. Um, so then we got time to time that, you know, we were getting ready to make this move to Idaho and, you know, we had to get the bike, you know, had to get it done and everything came together, you know, fantastically. And I couldn't do it without companies that support this, you know what I mean? And uh, kind of reflect a little bit here. So basically the day we rode it was the day that we moved to Idaho. My dad came down from Minnesota to help me drive. And we, you know, we finished up that bike, you know, the day before and, Got ready to go to the track and loaded it up and, you know, showed it to Kyle and he was amped and that was, that was it. You know, we went to the track and, you know, Chris and Mike from Transworld were there and it was awesome, man. I mean, it was, 
it's kind of a way to sign off on on that, you know. And yeah, I, just, I guess I got sidetracked again, Brad. I'm sorry, man. I'm all over the place. <laughs> hey, man, it's all good. I love hearing the stories about how these things come together, and uh, that that Yamaha is an absolute work of art. And uh, and the guy, the the gentleman that was on the receiving end of things, uh, I, I I hope that he puts it to good use and um, and keeps it shiny because this thing's absolutely gorgeous, tip to tail, uh, from front to back. Um, a lot of really cool parts on it, and it's just clean. It's a clean look, and it's just, it's honestly it's the same thing with uh, the the Hellraiser. It's it's got a lot going on, but it's still a clean look which is which is impressive to have uh, a lot of cool kind of small uh, like details and be details oriented but not uh, have them popping out so much at you that it seems seems busy uh, really cool um, project he had with both bikes and uh, honestly I feel like uh, the executioner was almost a little bit of a warm-up for you to have a slam dunk in the, in the Hellraiser yeah and I think that was kind of you know, with with uh, with the executioner, we wanted to kind of keep it keep it simple and clean in a way. You know, and I know they really wanted to go with that factory that factory look. So we talked about that in the very beginning stages of it to keep it kind of you know like 2003, 2004 factory Yamaha look in a way, and that's kind of when the whole the fork color and the shock color came to play. You know, that's why I wanted to go with that ball look. You know, since then that's kind of the the direction, you know, because everybody can do Kashima, you know, Kashima coat and art anesthetized, you know, DLC, all this other stuff. And I didn't want to be limited by that. And I think, you know, with the, with the Hellraiser, that was pretty much a, okay, this is my baby. Now, what am I going to do with it? And, you know, within reason, I mean, there's still, there's still a lot in the tank, you know, for Jess QMX Customs to explore. I think this was more of a of a direction, you know, with the name in mind, and same with the executioner. Yeah, I mean, you think about an executioner. It's it's one of those things. You know, you're dropping a, a gauntlet. You know what I mean? And that was kind of, you know, another statement. Like we're here. You know, we're not going anywhere, and we're still going to keep producing these things. So you've seen it, um, and that's kind of where we're at, you know, we had built pipes, you know, that's where the connection with Brandon, you know, I knew Brandon when I was working with Trevor Reese again, that's when I met him, um, cause we were running Bill's pipes on Trevor's bikes. And so I contacted Brandon about that project and he was, he was all for it. And we talked about, you know, I want to do a comb pipe, but can you guys do a comb pipe? I'm like, well, we can, but honestly, you're going to get better performance out of the rack pipe, like, but we can make something that looks like a comb pipe. And that's kind of when the whole cone look uh, evolved. And now those things are just insane. So, if you're going to buy a build pipe, I definitely recommend the cone look if you're going to do it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. For the extra, uh, I think it's 125 bucks. Well, yeah. To, yeah. For that yeah. look, like, I all day all day with the exact same uh, performance as the as the works uh the same maintenance uh as as the works and uh, actually uh that's a great uh, off the top of my head question for for any of those who are listening that want to go ahead and get a works pipe uh most people think of oh I don't want to get a works pipe they're so hard to maintain they're so hard to make keep looking like that um what are some of your suggestions or or uh, uh remedies to uh to keeping that thing looking good um for, for an extended period of time? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is that they start rusting. I think you got to just keep, 
you got to keep on. I mean, after you wash them, you spray it down. you got to spray it down with some sort of a penetrating lube, like WD-40. Um, the same with some Scotch-Brite, you know? Yeah. Put some, some WD-40 on a Scotch-Brite pad um, and apply it that way. And that way, it'll it'll keep it um, maintained. It doesn't take know, much. Just, control. like, don't leave your bike ride it hard, wet, leave it, uh, leave it in the, the shed for t- uh, six weeks and bring it out expecting it to look brand new. Exactly. I mean, you, you got to stay on them. You know what I mean? But if you want that, that appearance, you know, and throw on some scotch on them, kind of, it changes it a little bit too, you know, it kind of dulls out the welds and makes it more like a, like a factory pipe. Or even if it gets to the point where you lose control, you just take a little bit of like, CLR, some CLR and a scotch right pad and, uh, and clean it back up that way. Um, but make sure you wear gloves because you'll eat your hands. <laughs> so that's some tech tips, Brad. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, that whole, you know, what Bill's has got going on right now, and, and it's not now. I mean, that, that stems back decades ago. You know what I mean? Nothing's changed. It's just the time has changed. And the development's always been there. And, but I think, you know, getting back to the bike, that was huge to have them on board. And they did the, you know, they did some in-house motor mods with the cylinder and the head. Um, so that was really cool to help, you know, kind of be a part of that. And, and it all got you know, featured in uh, Transworld Motorcycle or Motocross, which is way too cool yep. uh, to have a, a, a feature on a bike that you've built uh, and, and, uh, and put some really cool components together. Um, awesome feeling for you. Yeah, great feeling, man. I mean, it was it was huge, you know. And I wanted to, I wanted to do that for Kyle and Dad, you know, to have have them have that. I know they framed the article and everything, so it was it was really special for me to to put in that extra time and that extra effort to to get that for them, you know. So that at the end of the day, that I was really happy with that, and to be to have that type of exposure is huge. So uh, moving forward with uh, with Jeski MX Customs, I know we've uh, we've we've covered uh, the Hellraiser. She's absolutely beautiful, and for anyone who's looking to see uh, some some video of all all the way around the bike, as well as some really cool photos of the bike, they can uh, follow uh, both yourself at uh, Jeski MX Customs on uh, on Instagram, I believe Twitter as well. Correct? Uh, no Twitter. I, no Twitter. I don't Just have Twitter Instagram. yet. Just Instagram. Fair enough. Instagram, like I got up on the website too, jeffkmxcustoms.com. It's got uh, got some links to the fasthouse.com with a, a story that they put up over the the weekend from the one moto and also a a, a short video uh, on the event as well. There you go. And then uh, it's really, really cool to get that information and basically keep up on everything Jesky Customs. Uh, but that bike has been dropped off. It's uh, that bike yeah. is one hundred percent ready for uh, for the dream race, the one twenty, the, the two stroke dream race uh, up in Oregon, and uh, but it's going to have a brother or at least a, a, a close relative uh, in another uh, YZ one twenty five, which of course we say Z up here in Canada, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and 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 most likely also we're from you're from where uh, it uh, does snow quite a bit, don't you know? Uh, oh, you betcha! Oh, betcha! <laughs> But uh, um, 
you've also you've picked up a uh, another YZ, and I can't wait to see uh, where you go with this thing. I don't know uh, what the plan is, but uh, um, essentially, give us a clue as to in the coming months what's to come from uh, Jeski MX Customs. Well, I mean, I know there's really not a whole lot. Um, well, planned. I don't want to say planned. There's a plan, but at the same time. There's an idea. Yes. And it looks like we're going to be racing two bikes in the pro class at the Dream Race in September. So, And I'll be on one of them. That a boy. <laughs> <laughs> i got to see some practicing. You better get your KX125 down here, pal. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's happening. That's happening. KX125, too pity. That a boy. That a boy. Yeah. I know that they have a couple different, they have a few different classes up there. I'm not sure what Joey's got in plan for this year, but I know it's going to be the 125. Obviously, with the two classes, but they have it's a regular race weekend too. So, well, honestly, if I year. left the garage with the 250 sitting there with the 125 on the back of the truck on the en route to uh, Washougal, uh, I, I honestly I don't think my 250 would ever look me in the eye again. So, uh, even if it's just a sit on the stand, I'd have to bring it with. Yeah, you got to bring it, man. You're gonna be mad at you if you get home. Trust me. So, I think I think it's a trip you should consider for sure. But I think kind of getting back, you know, to uh, to this other 125, you know, the plan is we're building something, and someone's going to ride it, and we got a goal. So I think that's, you know, ultimately what we're going to focus on right now. And but we're we're putting the wheels in motion already, so just to get uh, get the people behind it. You know, and, and kind of go from there. There you go. And uh, I know uh, before you left, or not not too long ago, you had a pair of uh, pretty sweet looking super minis uh, at the at the uh, the at the apartment or at your offices as well. Um, so as far as uh, maintenance and uh, some bike work is concerned, you're also available to do uh, also like standard maintenance as well as uh, repair uh, on bikes uh, over and above the uh, the custom work, aren't you? Yes, yeah, definitely, you know, um, a lot of the shop is it, kept going by service work. You know, we do um, anything from general service uh, to repair to, you know, performance work, uh, bike setup, you know, full race preps, and, you know, I consider full race prep is, you know, disassembling the bike, you know, going through everything and making sure the chassis sound and, uh, you know, parts are replaced as necessary, you know, chain sprockets, all wear items, brake pads, you know, all that stuff's easy to overlook. So, you know, there's a place that you can bring it to and they do it for you uh, in our region. You know, I mean, being new to North Idaho, you know, it, it's, we're set up, we're a race shop, you know, and that's that's one thing that's unique about this place too is, is we've got the background to back it up and, you know, we, we do service work, we do it well, uh, we stand behind it and, that's that's something that is kind of hard to be said these days. So I think that is definitely that's a that's a that's a good quality for the shop. Totally, you want to be able to stand behind uh, the the builds that you're you're doing or any of the work, whether it's a two stroke uh, one twenty five uh, rebuild or or uh, um, 
a, a more uh, invasive uh, work that like uh, when this time last year when uh, I broke uh, basically shattered uh, the piston on my KX250 and had over two thousand dollars worth of parts to, to replace on it uh, for everything from uh, transmission gears to crank uh, cylinder uh, just about everything got replaced so uh, you'd be able to do something like that as well yeah for sure yeah most definitely I think that's you know we do a lot, excuse me, we do a lot of service work. You know, I think that's something that's kept us going, you know, and allowed us to expand and, and to grow a little bit. And, you know, I, I like to do service work. Like my heart is in the custom builds, you know, and that's always where that will be. But, you know, we do, we do good quality service work. And eventually I want to get this thing to where I can provide jobs. And, you know, you know, to have that in place is, is huge too, you know. Couldn't agree more, and I, I definitely hope for you to be able to uh, to to employ somebody that'll be able to do those uh, uh, the the maintenance work and, and also aid in some of those uh, custom builds, uh, and and let you focus uh, solely on those custom builds, uh, batting those things out. Um, week after week after week and uh, who's to say that uh, I can't send my engine down for a full rebuild and uh, like tell you to uh, but when it comes back make sure that the uh, the engine cases are, are a different color um, through through a, a process that you've developed which is, um, is is a really cool option yeah definitely I think that's something I'm really trying to you know open the doors on because I don't think I've done that well in the past, like if someone wants to send their brakes in to have, you know, services done or finishes and processes done, that's something that we definitely do. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to ship in brakes than it is to ship in whole bikes or, or, you know, ship in engine covers and have them processed and treated. And, you know, that's, that's for, it's, it's affordable and you can get that factory look, you know what I mean? And it's, it's something that sets your bike apart, you know, for the, for the people that want to do it themselves and you know i'm all for supporting that well right on man well uh um honestly i have respect for anybody who's willing to put their last name on the business that they run and uh, and you uh, are an exact ex- example of that my dad ha- owns uh gebhardt masonry limited that's what i do for a living full time as i lay bricks for a living and uh i work for gebhardt masonry limited and we stand behind our work as our last name is on our each one of our products and everything and everything that you turn out is a jesky uh mx customs uh product and uh and that's your name on uh, on everything that rolls out of uh your shop so that's a really cool thing that's a uh, a strong stance to uh um to to use and uh i had nothing but respect for you my friend i appreciate that brad i think i learned that from my dad too he was an electrician and he had his own contracting company uh jesse electric you know out of minnesota and I, my older brother owns it now my dad's been retired same with my mom and it was a family business and that's what i knew growing up and i think that's kind of what's taken me this direction to start my own shop and be self-employed and you know, to, to, to live that life in a way. It's not easy. You're working seven days a week at times and you're thinking about it all the time. But at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't put my name on my products if I sure as hell didn't believe in it. You know what I mean? 
Totally. And uh, shame on, shame on uh, our, our dads for uh, being their own bosses and showing us how awesome that is because uh, the, the two of us, we've just become uh, unable to, uh, to just be a regular, just be a cog in a, in a great machine. We've got to be the machine itself. Yeah, you know, I think, damn it. <laughs> but at the same time, it's one of those deals where you're like, yeah, I guess that's kind of the way that the cookie crumbles, right? Totally. And, and a work ethic like no other. Know, yeah, you're right, man. And I think that with our society these days, man, it, it needs more of that, you know, and, and to be courageous, it takes a lot of effort, you know, but you got to feel it within your being to do that. And I couldn't do that if it wasn't for my father, you know what I mean? And stealing those values and determination, you know, I think that's, that's another big quality that I've gained from my parents and, you know, they, they pushed me to pursue a dream, you know, and I'm going to do it. You know, they, when I wanted to quit, they, you know, they, they encouraged me not. And, you know, it's, I'm eternally grateful for that and to have the support of my own family, my wife, you know, the kids, they don't know anything about it yet, but, you know, there are a lot of the reason behind it. And, you know, that's very special to me. If I'm, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to give it hell. But, you know, getting into that, it takes a lot more of a man to go into the arena and face it than it does not. You know what I mean? And so I, I can settle with that. Absolutely. Well, that's cool, man. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to make good on uh, a great opportunity to um, shed some light on all the things that you've done in motocross to this date and will continue to do with builds like the Executioner, builds like this, uh, the, the bike for uh, the Ackerman uh, Foundation, as well as the Hellraiser. And we look forward to seeing what's coming down the pipe. And uh, just like all the people that we've had on Big MX Radio, we're going to uh, keep track on you, keep tabs on you, and definitely uh, make sure that you are uh, a recorded repeat offender uh, down the road as we uh, cl- the clock ticks down to uh, this 125 Dream Race where uh, where you will be, I'll be, and uh, we mix and gas, haul and ass, and most likely... Uh, sharing some stories. Thank yeah, Brad. I look forward to it, man. I mean, I I can't thank you enough again for for having me on and taking the time to talk to me about dirt bikes and you know everybody involved in in this shop. You know, I I mean, from all the people that help sponsor these builds to the friends that I've gained. I mean, I I just owe everybody a sincere thank you and the inspiration that I've gained from friends. You know, it, it's been huge, man. Well, right on, man. Uh, don't hang up just yet. But uh, oh, first of all, uh, where can people other than, like uh, let people know where they can find more information, both the website and uh, on the Instagram, right, right before we let you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can find info about uh, Jeff DMX Customs uh, at the website JeffDMXCustoms dot com. Uh, the Instagram page is at JeffDMXCustoms, and. Uh, you can contact through the website, uh, the phone number for the shop, as well as email. Right on, man. Well, uh, like I said, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we're j- just about at two hours, which I hope uh, for those who are able to uh, stay with us for the entire thing, they enjoyed it as well. Uh, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there. All right. Thank you, Brad, again. 
Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.